Unlock your Bible. Discover the true meaning of life. Learn the cause of world problems and the astounding solution. Prove for yourself what the future holds. In the Trumpet Literature Library, you will find answers to life's most important questions. Explore these vital titles on Trumpet Bookshelf. Welcome to Trumpet Bookshelf. I'm Grant Turgeon. Our society is infected with compromise. For decades now, America has slid into the moral sewer. However, there is a place on earth that is not so influenced by compromise in the area of morality, and that is Africa. Obviously, in a lot of ways, the Western world is more advanced than Africa. However, in this area, the Western world is way behind. Notice this article from the latest trumpet. This is the Pride Issue Special Report of the Philadelphia Trumpet, August 2023. And on page 35, Rufaro Manyepa writes an article titled, Why American Christians Have Lost Their Power. Now, Rufaro is from Zimbabwe, and a lot of these African nations are led by tyrants and dictators. There's not a lot to admire in, in those leaders, and yet Rufaro says, here's basically the one thing we appreciated about Robert Mugabe. He never compromised with the queer agenda. Uganda is the same. Just last month, they passed an anti-LGBTQ law. Rufaro writes, according to this law, the penalty for having same-sex relations is a 10-year prison sentence. Promoting homosexuality results in a $260,000 fine or 20-year imprisonment. Any homosexual who commits statutory rape while HIV positive is subject to death. Way to go, Uganda. That is the right way. So you have these two societies, America and the Western world, that is about as pro-sodomy as you could possibly imagine. And then there's Africa that completely rejects that perverted lifestyle. How are we to know which society is correct? It gets down to the Bible. God tells us what is right and wrong. He created us so we should listen. Romans 1 verse 24, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Going down to verse 26, we'll go through. Verse 27, for this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, 
leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. Romans 1, verses 24 and 26 through 27. That is pretty condemning. And it's describing some pretty graphic stuff in in the Apostle Paul's uh, eloquent way of writing, thankfully. It's not, it's not too clear, but it's definitely clear enough what that passage is talking about. And as Paul writes there in Romans 1, homosexuality, all of these other immoral sexual perversions are against nature. So you don't even really have to look to the Bible to know that sodomy is wrong. Animals do not commit sodomy. No one in creation, <laughs> none of these other creatures, commit sodomy. But humans do. So even that alone shows that humans are very different from the animals. We have the capacity for far more depraved sins. There's a movie out in theaters right now called Sound of Freedom. And it's about the gruesome worldwide $150 billion industry of the child sex trade. There are people out there who abduct and abuse children for years and then most likely just discard the bodies. Now, most of us, almost everyone is in agreement that child sex trafficking is wrong. But how do you descend to that depraved level in the first place? It really starts with compromise. You accept one thing, you compromise in one small area, and then it just gets worse and worse. We see this in our society where the homosexuals just wanted acceptance. And now today, it's just shoved in your face all the time. You don't just have to accept it. You have to praise it. You have to wear the warm-up jersey with the rainbow on it. Or else you are a bigot and you should be fired. You should be canceled. Those people who preach tolerance are the least tolerant people of all. Ironically, those immoral people do not compromise. Only those who have traditional values are expected to compromise. And compromise we have. In this article, again from the latest trumpet, August 2023, Rufaro Manyepa writes about the so-called Christian response to these movements in Africa to prevent sodomy. What about Texan Senator Ted Cruz? He said, this Uganda law is horrific and wrong, grotesque and an abomination. Again, this law, <laughs> 
literally puts to death those who commit rape and pass on AIDS to people, to their victims. Not only does the victim get raped, but also gets probably HIV or AIDS as well. Is that not worthy of severe punishment? And yet you have someone like Ted Cruz saying it's an abomination. I mean, just think about that. What are the fruits of this lifestyle? They cannot produce children. They get diseases. They are unhappy. Their suicide rate is probably 10 times higher, somewhere around there, compared to the rest of the population. It is a painful, miserable lifestyle. And it is love to tell these people that they need to escape that lifestyle. It's hurting them. There's a better way. Notice this. This uh, professor at Yale, again in Rufaro Manyepa's article, this professor says, Christianity, rightly understood, is about the transgression of boundaries. Christians believe in a God whose love undoes every binary. All the laws are negated, including the law of contractual sexuality, that is, marriage. According to this Yale professor who happens to be transgender, Christianity is lawless. God is lawless. He doesn't care about preserving marriage. He doesn't care about what we do with our bodies. Even though Romans 1 says that people have been using their bodies to defile themselves. Regardless of everything the Bible says, this person tells you that God hates law. 1 John 3 verse 4 says that sin is the transgression of the law. Why would God put that in the Bible if he didn't care about law? Why would God define sin for us? Why would God tell us to sin no more, as it says in John 8, verse 11? If Christ came to do away with the law, why should we sin no more? The law defines sin for us. And so if Christ did away with the law, then sin doesn't matter either. And we shouldn't have to sin no more. We shouldn't have to be told that. It doesn't make any sense at all. Compromise is such a deadly problem. And really, this is just something to pray for, just that God's ministers in the Philadelphia Church of God have a lot of discernment. We are always available to counsel people and help in any possible way. God says that his ministers are supposed to be helpers of the brethren's joy. But so much of the time, people who really need help, who need counseling, do not seek it. They're dealing with these crippling addictions and problems. 
and maybe they have doubts about God's truth, and they don't ask for help. And so really, the ministry needs a lot of discernment, even just to notice compromise in a small area of someone's life. So we can go and say, hey, are you okay? Do you need, do you need to talk? Do you need help? If we can notice those small areas of compromise, we can save those people from a horrible decision, a life-destroying decision of leaving God and going out into Satan's world. Here is one area that I've even just been thinking about. I can think of a lot of examples of people who maybe just started to dress a little bit uh, flamboyantly, or maybe just grew their hair out into a scraggly mess or almost like a hippie look. And then not too long after that, they disappeared and they weren't in the church anymore. And so you can see sometimes in those small areas, when we get away from even God's standard of dress and grooming, it can mean that people have much bigger problems and they need help. And so we do need ministers who are discerning, can, can sniff out those smaller problems that can be a, an indication of a much bigger problem. Mr. Armstrong wrote about compromise in his personal from the Good News of December 1976. Herbert W. Armstrong founded the Worldwide Church of God. God did a remarkable work through him for over 50 years. And Mr. Armstrong says, I have frequently been pressured to compromise just a little with God's truth. Honestly, now, what do you think? Wouldn't it be all right to compromise just a little on some unimportant minor point? Especially on some ostensibly unimportant point where we appear crazy to the world. God does have a standard. He has laws that provide the structure that we need in our lives. These laws make us happy. These laws convert us. As it says in the Psalms, they convert our minds to where we can think like God, who has overflowing joy. The law is good, as it says in Romans 7, verse 12. The world will tell you it's a burden. God says the law is good. The law is love. God is love. The law is just how God lives, written down for us to understand so we can follow that example and be blessed as well. But Mr. Armstrong had to face the temptation of compromise. That, that temptation is always there. It's been there since the Garden of Eden when Satan snuck up to Adam and Eve and just spoke smooth words to them. And convince them to disobey God. Satan made his way seem so appealing. And Adam and Eve went right along. That's in Genesis chapter 3. And that chapter shows us that mankind has been cut off from the tree of life ever since. 
that symbolic tree that pictures God's Holy Spirit. They could have chosen God's Holy Spirit, his mind, his life, his power. But they compromised. God said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This poisonous mixture of good and evil. And Satan said, go ahead, take a bite. No problem. Adam and Eve compromised. And all of civilization has suffered for 6,000 years ever since. Compromise is deadly, as Rufaro Manyepa calls it. It is the contagion of compromise. Mr. Armstrong wrote here in this 1976 Good News article, If we begin to compromise with God's truth, even in the smallest, slightest manner, we have allowed Satan to get a foot into the door of the church, and soon he will push open the door, he is stronger than we, and take over the whole church. There can be no compromise. And really, it all just starts in the mind. We are all weak human beings. We all sin out of weakness, out of tiredness. We let down. God says we need to repent and obey him with even more vigor and zeal and urgency in response to when we fail. But compromise really does just start in the mind. What is the mindset? What is our attitude about God's law? Do we love it? Do we understand how much of a blessing it is to us? Do we realize that even in the smallest areas of God's standards, it's still important to uphold the law in terms of dress and grooming, in terms of the words we speak, not using certain innuendo and slang and certain curse words and such. These can be seen as smaller areas, but we know God's standard and God expects us to uphold that standard. No compromise. Now, really, a very sobering example of the deadliness of compromise is King Solomon. King Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived outside of Jesus Christ. He had it all. He was in charge of a flourishing, prospering kingdom of Israel. He had all this wisdom, all this wealth, every type of material comfort he could ever desire or imagine. And yet, he went horribly off track. How did it really begin, though? Well, Deuteronomy 17 outlines for us some of God's expectations for a king, especially for a king in God's chosen nation. So Deuteronomy 17, uh, verse 16, is one specification here. Deuteronomy 17, verse 16, speaking of the king of Israel, but he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to the end that he should multiply horses. 
For as much as the Eternal has said unto you, you shall henceforth return no more that way. Okay, so that's a very specific minor law. It's talking about a king not obtaining horses from Egypt. You might think, when would that ever come up? Why would that ever be relevant as a law? And yet, that's exactly what Solomon did. You can see that in 1 Kings 10, verse 28. Solomon obtained horsepower for transportation, for lucrative trade, and he got his horses from Egypt. Solomon might have thought it was no big deal to compromise in this smaller area. They're just horses, no problem. But it got worse. The compromise went from horses to some of the most horrific sins in the Bible. Notice verse 16, Deuteronomy 17, verse 16, verse 17, sorry. Another law for a king of Israel. Deuteronomy 17, verse 17. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away. Okay, so... Solomon went from the horses in fraction to the wives in fraction. Now, that's a much bigger sin, if you could call it that. That is breaking the seventh commandment, which says you shall not commit adultery. Solomon didn't have two or three wives, which is wrong. You're only supposed to have one according to God's law. Solomon had 700 wives and 300 mistresses or concubines. That is just absolutely trampling and shattering the seventh commandment, but it doesn't stop there. Many of those wives were pagan worshipers. Many of them worshiped idols. And so... Solomon went right along with his wives and concubines in their pagan religion. And it didn't just involve idolatry. It even involved child sacrifice. This is an article from the Worldwide News of 1985. June 10, 1985, Worldwide News. Compromise with God's law leads to bigger and bigger sins. And it says here, from the minor infraction of importing horses out of Egypt, Solomon eventually condoned and at least was an accessory to the twin sins of idolatry and murder, sins he would not have contemplated seriously at the beginning of his reign. Solomon not only went after the pagan goddess Ashtoreth, but he also erected high places for worship of Chemosh and Molech, whose ritual involved the horrible rites of child sacrifice by fire. Archaeologists have actually recovered infant human remains at some of these sites of pagan worship inside Israel. What a horrible despicable sin. We're no better today with our child sex trafficking worldwide. The way that we 
abort millions of children every year, the way that we celebrate sodomy and all these other sins, it always starts small. A little bit of compromise, wanting to be seen as reasonable by our peers. And it leads nations off the edge of the cliff, right over the edge. Compromise is deadly. This article says, It is unlikely that Satan will immediately fool God's elect concerning the Ten Commandments or the major points of God's law. So he often begins with something seemingly small. Once one compromises, the process of sin has begun. And the commodity in which God is supremely interested, holy, righteous character, begins to erode, opening the way for sin on a grand scale. We have to cut off all compromise. We have to start that in the mind. We have to think about God's law the right way and realize that even in the smaller areas, we must uphold God's law. If we don't, we'll sin, and because of our sin, we'll feel guilty, we'll feel bad about resisting any, any other types of sins, because we know that we're sinning too, and we'll just keep on letting the standards slip. Back to Rafaro Manyepa's article from the August 2023 Trumpet. God wants us to stop sinning. He wants us to keep his laws. Homosexuality is wrong. Breaking the Sabbath is wrong. Failing to tithe is wrong. That's the law. Disbelieving it won't change it. No more than disbelieving the law of gravity will make you fly. God's law is reality and compromising with it will break your power. So drive out all compromise. Eliminate compromise from your life. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Trumpet Bookshelf. You've been listening to Trumpet Bookshelf. Please email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time.